0: Welcome to Mosaic Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following recording from Mosaic Church Leeds, based in the United Kingdom. For more podcasts and information on Mosaic Church, please visit mosaic-church.org.uk. Thank you for listening. We're we're called to be a sent people. We're called to go and bless other people in the world. Uh, Both those close to us, so our friends, our families, our work colleagues, our neighbours, but also those further away in the nations of the world. We're sent as a community of people to share the love of Jesus with others and to be a blessing to them. So today, I want to look at three ways or three things that God equips us with for that mission. How does God equip us to bless others? And I'm going to look at the fact that God saves, God transforms, and God empowers. And my aim really today is actually just to encourage you guys, to encourage you guys that you're already equipped to be on mission for God, and for the vast majority of you, you're already on mission for God, and I just want to encourage you and say, keep doing what you're doing, it's great, and for some others of you, hopefully I'm going to show how being on mission for God is actually a really simple thing to do, and it's accessible for everybody here today. So it's going to be simple and accessible. That's how I've planned this preach to be. So the first thing that I want to look at today is, is the truth that the God of the Bible is a God who saves. And so if you, if you look at the story of the Bible, it teaches that God created the world and he created mankind and he intended mankind and God to be in perfect relationship with one another. But we rebelled against God and we said, I I don't want to live the way that you want me to live. I I want to do things my own way. And so we turned away from God and the relationship between mankind and God is, is broken. And the Bible teaches that we're all lost in that kind of rebellion, in that sin against God, without hope of that relationship being restored. We're destined to die and spend an eternity away from God in a place called hell. It gets happier, though. The Bible goes on to say God's desire is that everybody would come back into relationship with himself. God loves all people, and he wants to save them from their sin and their rebellion back into a relationship with himself. And so to do this, as you go through the Bible, he sends his son, Jesus Christ, to live a perfect life that we could never live, and to die in our place on the cross. Three days later, he rose from the dead, defeating death, and offering us, mankind, the opportunity to be back in relationship with God. In short, the Bible teaches that God is a God who saves people and desires to be in relationship with them. Now, if you've been around church, you're like, yeah, that's pretty obvious. That's what we talk about most weeks. But when we look around at the world, it's dead easy to just look at people and go, they're just really not interested in God and they don't really seem to care about him and they don't really seem to want a relationship with God and there's so much pain and misery in the world that a lot of people don't think God could be loving or don't think God cares about them and so it can seem like we could lose a bit of hope if all we looked at was the world around us. It could seem like mission was a bit of a hopeless endeavor because people just don't really seem to care. But what I want to do is show you that the truth that God saves actually brings hope to our mission. And the way I'm going to do that is we're going to try a little exercise. Not a physical exercise, but I'm going to ask you guys to trust me a little bit because I'm going to ask you to be a little bit vulnerable. Not too vulnerable. All I'm going to ask you to do is to raise your hand at different points in the next few minutes. So I'm going to ask some questions, and then I want you guys to do is to raise your hand. Is that okay? There's a slight murmur. Okay. Can you put up your hand if you were born into a Christian home, told about the love of Jesus from a very young age, and you believed from Jesus from a very young age and never doubted it? Great. (laughs) Great. Can you, you can put your hands down, can you put up your hand if you were born into a Christian home, told about Jesus from a very young age, but then at some point thought, actually, that's just my parents' faith. I don't know if I believe this for myself. I want to see what the world has to offer. You went away, you partied a little bit, and then you came back and went, no, actually, I do believe this. Great. A few less. Okay, third group. Can you put up your hand if you grew up with totally atheist or agnostic beliefs, totally uninterested in Jesus, didn't care about him? Great. Next group, Uh, can you put up your hands if you became a Christian over the age of 20? Over the age of 30? Over the age of 40? Okay, we won't go any further. It's rude to ask (laughs) people to say their age. Uh, Can you put up your hands if you were born in a different city to Leeds? Loads. Uh, A different country to England? Quite a few. A different continent to Europe? Yeah, still a few. Um, Put up your hands if you left school at 16. Great. Put up your hands if you went to uni. Put up your hands if you got a PhD. Yeah. (laughs) So we all went to uni, but we didn't do that well at uni. Okay, next few questions. A little bit more vulnerable. If you don't want to answer them, that's absolutely fine. Can you put up your hand if you've ever voted for the Labour Party? (laughs) <laughs> Nobody's looking at this, don't worry Can you put up your hand if you've ever voted for the Conservative Party? Can you, these are the most vulnerable So I totally understand if you don't want to put your hand Can you put up your hand if Jesus has saved you From some kind of an addictive past? Thank you And can you put up your hand if you've been saved from an abusive background? Great What you've just done is to show in this small room, in this small segment of people, God saves all types of people, from all types of backgrounds. He saves those who heard about him from a very young age to people who really couldn't have cared less about him. He saves people from all types of educational backgrounds, whether you left school at 16 or whether you're one of the most intelligent people in the world. He saves people from all nations, all ages, all across the economic, political and social spectrum. In short, God saves all types of people. Isaiah 59.1 sums it up. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. The picture is God is not up there with tiny little arms, like, I, I just I can't save this person that's so far out of my reach. God is up there with huge arms going, I can save you, and I can save you, and I can save you, and I can save you. I can save all types of people. Therefore, we are to have so much hope that God can save anybody who is around us. Part of our mission is to have hope and it's to pray for all those who don't know Jesus. With our mission groups, in our accountability groups, and by ourselves, keep petitioning God to save the people that we are around. He desires all people to come back to himself and be in relationship with him. He desires to extend his love to all people. So we are to have hope for those around us because God desires them to be in relationship with him. No matter how far it may seem like they are away, no matter how uninterested they f- it seems like they are, God's love for them is unchanging and he desires a relationship with them. The second part of the truth that God saves is that God is the only one who can save Salvation belongs to the Lord, that is the truth we need to believe, because if we forget that, then what will happen is we'll begin to feel like saving people, telling them about Jesus, or them coming to a knowledge of Jesus, it's, it's all on us, and that's how we'll feel. And if we feel that the salvation of everybody else rests solely on our efforts, on our witness, we're probably going to feel one of two things. The first one is you'll feel absolutely crushed under the size of the task of trying to reach everybody in the whole world. You will feel like that is a job that's way too big for us and the burden will totally crush you. Or you'll feel totally petrified. If somebody else's salvation, somebody else coming to knowledge of God and faith in God rests on your performance, what you say and how you love them, You're never going to speak about Jesus in case you get it wrong, and then it's your fault that somebody else didn't become a follower of Jesus. The truth that salvation belongs solely to the Lord means we are free from the lie that it's by our performance other people are saved. People are saved totally by God's power. Therefore, we are free to share the love of Jesus with hope that God desires all people to be saved, all people to be in relationship with him, and trusting that he uses our efforts to aid that process. It also means we're totally free to make mistakes. If you've ever tried to share the love of Jesus with somebody and it's just been an evangelistic car crash, that's fine. Just get up the next day and try something different. Do something different. Love in a different way. For some people here today, the biggest thing you need to take away is you just need to repent of believing that it's by your efforts that people are saved. And you just need to come back to the glorious truth that it's God's desire to save all people and it's God's job to save all people. So that when we go out on mission as a church, the starting blocks that we go out from, it's hope and it's freedom. And it's not burden and it's not totally petrified. Secondly, God saves, secondly God transforms. The second way that God equips us is with his Holy Spirit. When someone becomes a follower of Jesus, God sends his Holy Spirit to dwell inside them and to give them a a power and a desire to become more like Jesus. And part of that transformation is the Holy Spirit increases our love in three types of ways, and three types of ways that fuel our mission. He gives us more love for Jesus, more love for others, and more love for life itself. So, firstly, the Holy Spirit wants to give us more love for Jesus. The way he does that is, um, if you read John 14 and John 16, when Jesus is talking to his disciples about sending the Holy Spirit to them, he talks about the Holy Spirit guiding them into all truth and reminding them of what Jesus has said to them. What the Holy Spirit does is he, he takes our eyes off being fixed so much on ourselves, and he lifts our eyes and fixes them on Jesus. He helps us to look beyond ourselves and look up to Jesus, And the reason that's so important is the more we look at Jesus, the more we realize just how much he loves us, just how much care and attention and desire he has for us, how much he saved us from, how much he desires to transform us, how much he wants to be in all areas of our lives. The more that is known by us, the more we fall in love with Jesus, the more passion and the more enthusiasm we have to talk about Jesus and to share Jesus with other people. You, you know this when, if somebody's really enthusiastic about something, they, they talk to you about it. If somebody loves Formula One, for example, all they'll talk to you about is Formula One. There's a guy at the High Park Hellinger Gathering who is so into bass guitars and bass amps, literally that's all he talks about. And it's quite hard to talk about anything else with him because he's so besotted by bass amps and bass guitars. And he just talks to you about it. And you can't help but get caught up a little bit in, well, yeah, bass amps are kind of (laughs) cool. If we try and show the love of Jesus out of a sense of guilt that we don't share the love of Jesus enough or out of duty that it's our job to share the gospel, that we have to do it, You're just never going to enjoy sharing his love with anybody else. And maybe worse than that, you're never going to convey a passion or an enthusiasm for Jesus. You're going to convey that it's begrudging and it's hard and you don't really want to talk about him. Part of our mission to others is to pursue a greater relationship with Jesus himself. Part of our mission is to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal more to us how much Jesus' love is there for us how much he does love us so how can we be spurring one another on towards that goal how can you again in your accountability groups and your mission groups be asking the Holy Spirit to speak to you more about Jesus' love. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal more of Jesus' love to you. In your accountability groups, talk about where you struggle to feel like Jesus loves you and pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help you understand how God loves you in all areas of your life, how he deals with our guilt, how he deals with our shame, how he wants to accept us, reconcile us, redeem us, adopt us into a loving family. Um, be asking... As to be filled with the Holy Spirit daily, so you've got the power and the desire to seek Jesus. Because if you just do it out of your own efforts, at some point you're going to get tired, and you're just not going to want to do it anymore. If you do it out of the Holy Spirit's power, He's a un—what's the word? Unlimited resource. Yeah, He's an unlimited resource. Your strength runs dry. God's strength never runs dry. So draw from Him to seek Jesus. As you do, you'll be more inclined to speak about Jesus and you'll do it with more passion and you'll do it more often. The second love that the Holy Spirit increases is our love for other people. Uh, in 1 John chapter 4, verses 11 and 19, both state we're able to love other people because we've been loved first totally and completely. So in verse 11, it says, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Verse 19, we love because he, uh, because he first loved us. As we learn more about, as we experience more about, if we know more about Jesus' love for us, the Holy Spirit changes our hearts and enables us to look out from ourselves and to love other people. And not only to love them, but we actually have a desire and an urgency to love them because we realize how much desire and urgency God has to love us. Everything we learn about in this upward relationship between us and God is something we can pass on horizontally, as it were, to those around us. So think about it like this. God listens to all of your prayers, even when there may be a... um, Inarticulate. I did that deliberately so you could, (laughs) Inarticulate, or even when they've stumbled or they're through tears or you're just saying rubbish to him, he still listens. So who is it that you know in your workplace that nobody really wants to listen to because they're annoying? Listen to them. Because that way you're showing the love you've received from God and you're showing it to somebody else. God totally accepts you regardless of what you've done. The person you know who everybody else wants to shun because of what they've just done, accept them because you've been accepted. Um, God accepts you despite your shame. He accepts you even when you don't want to talk about what you've done. The person you see around you who's struggling because you know they're not talking to anybody about the stuff they're going through, be the person that goes and asks them how they're doing. Sometimes it's dead simple. Sometimes it's staying late at the office to help somebody else hit a deadline because you see they're struggling and you help out. Sometimes it's just talking or listening to the people that nobody wants to talk to. Sometimes it's more proactive. Sometimes it's just throwing a barbecue for your neighbours because you want to love them and you want to bless them and you want to get to know them and you want to have relationships with them. See, Our acts of simple love to other people are the vehicles through which God's love is displayed to them. So, Holy Spirit increases our love for Jesus. He increases our love for others. The third one, this is the one that interested me most as I was writing this. The Holy Spirit enables us to love life more. And the Bible teaches that the world, as it were, is like a a theater that displays God's glory. Psalm 19 says, the heavens declare the glory of God. So yes, the world is marred by sin. Yes, it's marred by brokenness. But it's still full of good things. And it's still full of God-given things. It's still full of things that God has given for our enjoyment and our pleasure and our delight. And so that kind of means two things. The first one is when you meet somebody who is passionate about something and enthusiastic about something, regardless of whether you like it or not, you're actually able to be passionate and enthusiastic and affirming towards them. So if you go back to the example, somebody loves Formula One. If you don't care about Formula One at all, it actually doesn't matter. Because by the Spirit, you're able to see that what that person is enjoying is a gift from God. Because they're enjoying intellect, they're enjoying creativity, they're enjoying ingenuity, they're enjoying um, the mechanics of how you put a car together, they're enjoying the competitiveness, they're enjoying the athleticism. They're not just things that we've created, they're God-given things. So when somebody says, I love Formula One, you're like, great, you you love a gift that God has given you. I want to affirm you in that, I want to be enthusiastic towards you about that. As Christians, we can be the most enthusiastic and passionate people in the world. It doesn't mean you're always jumping up and down going, this is amazing. Because if you know me, I never really do that. (laughs) But it does mean that if you're in a conversation with somebody, you can be like, it's great that you love that. I love the fact that you love that and that you're enjoying a gift from God. So what are your friends' What are your family members, what are your work colleagues encouraging, uh, sorry, passionate about? And how can you affirm and encourage them in that? Because people love having passionate and affirming people around them. Because the world, it's all about comparison. It's all about tearing other people down. It's all about saying how you're not as good as me and what you enjoy doing isn't as good as what I enjoy doing. You get to be totally countercultural in that and go, I love what you enjoy doing, even though I don't care about it at all. (laughs) I totally affirm that you love Formula 1, even though I would hate to spend even 10 minutes watching a Formula 1. You get to build people up while the world tries to tear them down. And the second thing on that is, what you are passionate and enthusiastic about, do that with other people. And enjoy God's gift with other people, even if they don't know it's God's gift or not. Just a few examples from the people that come to this gathering. Miriam Simpson, after working a full day at school, she goes out rock climbing with a friend from her work. Why? She loves rock climbing. Why? She loves her friend. So she enjoys doing the activity and she gets to talk and love this person that she's doing it with. Jenny Evans plays in a squash league. Why? Because she loves playing squash and she loves the people that she plays with and so she gets to do both she loves the activities she's doing and she loves the people that she's playing with and she gets to show something of God's love to them so what do you love doing if you love cooking cook for other people if you love films watch films with other people and then talk about them talk about what the main themes were talk about talk about what really struck you um, uh, Steve Vaughan the Vaughan family who we sent to Dublin a few weeks a uh, few months ago um, they he's so passionate about films that what he'll do is they'll invite people around they'll watch a film and then they'll talk about where Jesus was in the film so they watched Argo a few weeks ago has anybody seen Argo like two people, three people. So I don't know the plot of Argo, but I read Steve's kind of Facebook comments afterwards. It's like, Argo, it's about like, self-sacrifice. It's about humility, and it's about laying life, your life down for the people. It's like Jesus. And I just look at the film and go, yeah, it's a good film. Because he's so passionate about the film, he's able to talk to people about Jesus through watching Argo. If your passion is gardening, invite people around to your house to do your garden for you. <laughs> Not everybody has a garden. Those people that love gardening that don't have a garden, bring them around. We have a garden, bring them around to our house. So, the Holy Spirit increases our love for Jesus, love for others, and love for life. What's amazing about these three loves is that it becomes plain that as a church, we're not to compartmentalize mission to a few elite people. But the Holy Spirit actually is equipping all of us every day to be on mission, to show Jesus' love to others, to bless other people. Our role is to ask the Holy Spirit to increase those loves, to increase our love for Jesus, to fall more in love with him so that we're more passionate, enthusiastic, and inclined to share about him. To ask him to give us more love for other people so we have a desire to share with them and a passion for life. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you how you are And not to go too poetic, but you're an actor in God's theatre of good gifts and joy and delight. And you get to engage with that. So find out what you're passionate about and do it passionately with enthusiasm and affirmation of others. Lastly, God empowers us. The third way that God equips us for mission is with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I know that sometimes when we talk about the power of the Holy Spirit, this is the bit that we do compartmentalize. You know, I can do the first two bits, but when it comes to the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, it's just a few people. A few people have the power. I don't have the power. You've got the power, people. <laughs> I'm going to tell you how. In 1 Peter 3.15, it states... We are called in our hearts to set apart Christ as Lord. So that's the loving Jesus part. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. And that's the loving other people part. For a lot of us, the thought of being asked a question about our faith can seem pretty daunting and a little bit scary because I'm not sure that I'm gonna have the right answer. I'm not sure I'm gonna know What to say but the amazing thing is in those situations it's actually not you speaking to that person because it's the holy spirit giving you the words to speak to that person we are given the holy spirit so that when we're in those situations the holy spirit in us is actually speaking god's truth to that person so I'm fully behind studying the Bible. I am fully behind studying apologetics books. I've got tons of them at my house. I love studying apologetics books to put forward an intellectual case for the reason for the faith that I hold. But ultimately, if I'm in a conversation with somebody and they ask me about my faith in Jesus, I really want the Holy Spirit to be speaking rather than just my thoughts or my wisdom. I want it to be God's truth that's being put across to them. So let me just, we're just going to dip into the book of Acts, and I'm going to see how every day that was in the book of Acts, and actually how every day it is for us as well. So in Acts chapter 4, we see the story of Peter and John have been out in the streets of Jerusalem, and they've been talking about Jesus, uh, his death and his resurrection, and his love for other people. And... They get arrested for doing that, and they get brought before the Sanhedrin, which is like the the Jewish ruling council of the time. And Acts 4, verse 8 reads Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. So it's a small verse, but it means Peter, who's about to do this amazing speech about God's love and how Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament and how Jesus is the only way to God. The way he starts the speech is he's filled with the Holy Spirit, and then he speaks. Acts 4 29, the rest of the disciples hear about Peter's speech and they pray for God to give them boldness to speak the word of God as well. Two verses later, how does that happen? It says the place was shaken with the power of God, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God boldly. So for Peter, he's filled with the Spirit and he speaks the word. For the disciples, filled with the Spirit, they speak the word. The same is true of Paul in Ephesians 6:19. He's written the letter to the Ephesians, and the last thing he asks them to do is he says, pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given to me so that I may fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Paul receives from the Spirit and speaks the words. Peter and Paul are probably the two key, apart from Jesus, are the two key influential figures in the New Testament. They receive from the Spirit and they speak words. Do you know why I say that you've got the power? It's because the Holy Spirit lives inside each one of you. And it's the same Spirit that lived in Peter and Paul. The same Spirit that gave them the words as they proclaimed the gospel in all their, wo- in all their different settings. It's the same Spirit in us. He giving, he's giving us the same words today so that other people can come t- to know about Jesus. The times when we need to speak about the gospel, we're empowered by the Holy Spirit to do that. The second thing is the Holy Spirit also gives us a power to pray for other people. Again, if you look through the book of Acts, what will often happen is the disciples will go into an area and they will pray for the sick. The sick will be healed, people will be amazed, they then get to talk about Jesus and people get saved. That tends to be a pattern that seems to happen quite a lot through the book of Acts. I'm just going to dip into one story to show it. Acts 3, just before the story that we just looked at. Peter and John are on their way into Jerusalem to the temple. They pass a guy who's crippled in verses 6 and 7. They pray for him. Verse 8, he's able to walk. Verse 9 and 10, people are amazed. Then, verses 11 through 26, they're able to talk about Jesus. They're able to talk about a God who loves so much that he would heal a guy who's lame in his legs. Chapter 4, verse 4, many come to faith in Jesus. The Holy Spirit equips us with the words to speak, but also with the power to pray for other people so that other people can hear and experience God's love for them. Today, does this look like you going out Onto the streets and gathering a crowd of two or three thousand people and then praying for somebody to be healed and then proclaiming the gospel? Probably not. This looks like going to the pub with a friend and having a conversation with them. And as you have the conversation, asking the Holy Spirit to be speaking to that person. It looks like having lunch with somebody from your work and asking the Holy Spirit to speak as you're chatting with them. It looks like listening as your family member or your neighbor talks about a situation that they're struggling with or a pain that they've got in their body and just going, I'm a Christian. I believe that God loves you. Do you mind if I pray for you? Most people don't reject the offer of prayer, however much they might reject the offer of talking about Jesus. It is true, Marjorie. <laughs> Um, There was a story of a girl called Molly who came to the High Park Headingley intro course. and She came and she heard the talk and she was involved in the discussion and it was going really well. She was really interested. Towards the end of the evening, she just said, I've got a really sore back. It was like light bulbs for all the Christians in the room. It's like, sore back? We know what to do. we're Christians, we believe that God loves you. Do you mind if we pray for you? Do you mind if we pray for your sore back? And she went, yeah, that's fine. So they pray for her sore back. She feels a warmth down her back and some of the pain that she's feeling leaves. She's like, wow, that's amazing. She experiences some of God's love for her. A few weeks go by, she keeps investigating God. She keeps investigating whether he loves her or not. And then the pain comes back. Light bulbs on, Christians come around. We're Christians, we believe God loves you. Can we pray for you again? The pain goes a little bit again. The same thing happens a third time. Between the point of the first and third prayer, she's become a Christian. She's put her faith in God because she's heard about the gospel and because she's experienced some of God's love for her. Does she still have a sore back? Yeah. Is she a Christian? Yeah. Do you have to pray for miraculous healings and see miraculous healings every day of your life? No. Do you need to go out of here knowing that you have power to pray when the time is right? Yes because it's an amazing way to show people how much God loves for them, how much care he has for them, how much intimacy he has for them. It's a brilliant way to open the door to a conversation. Mission is basically summed up with simple actions, simple words, and simple prayers. I cut to the end of this and I thought, it's ridiculous how equipped we are by God to be on mission. (laughs) It's literally insane. If I was God, and not something I think about too often, but if I was God and I wanted to portray myself to other people, people would need to go on a crash course or maybe a long three, four-year course about how amazing I am. They'd need to know everything about me. Then they'd need to be tested about how well they can articulate how amazing I am to other people before I'd even think of letting them go out and speak about me. But our God, he just says, you know what? I love you, you love me, off you go. Speak about me, talk to people about me, fall more in love with me so that you can tell other people passionately, enthusiastically about the love that you've received and how it's transformed your life. He's like, go, spread the news. In the Gospels, Jesus meets people, has like a three-line conversation with them. He says, All right, Go tell loads of people about me God doesn't wait for us to be totally equipped he doesn't wait for us to know everything about him he just says once you've experienced my love you're able to tell other people you're able to pray for other people recently I saw an advert that made me chuckle it said sharing with your family sharing your faith with your friends and family can be intimidating dot 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 it can be easy with Billy Graham at your side and I thought yes that is true If I had a Billy Graham-style massive evangelist with me every day, it would be slightly easier to share my faith with other people. But actually, I thought, I don't have Billy Graham, but I do have the Holy Spirit. Which would I prefer? I prefer the Holy Spirit. Because one day, Billy Graham's going to die. The Holy Spirit never runs out, never gets tired never leaves, always there, always empowering, always filling. Our job is to ask for more and more from him, ask for him to reveal more of God's love for us, and then to empower us in our day-to-day situations, to play the part that God has asked us to play as he works out salvation in the lives of other people. Amen? Great. I'm just going to quickly pray, then we're going to sing. What I'm going to pray is that the Holy Spirit would bring to mind people that we know, situations that we're in, and then equip us for those, empower us for those. The next time we see that person or in that situation, we would know that the Holy Spirit has given us the power to be in that situation. So if you want to bow your heads, I'm just going to pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you've shown love to us through your Son. I thank you so much, Lord, that you are in the business of saving people and you desire all people to be saved, all people to be in a relationship with you. God, I thank you that you use us to show the love of Jesus to others. And Holy Spirit, I just pray now that you would bring to mind those people that we have on our hearts to see them come to a relationship with God. Bring to mind those places, those workplaces, those places with friends, with neighbours, where we're around people that don't know your love yet. Lord, and as we hold those people and those places in our mind, would you come afresh, fill us afresh, Lord, and empower us to know when to speak, to give us the words, to offer prayer, and to see you break into their lives. In Jesus' name, amen.